It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. It's Thursday or Friday, depending on when you're listening to the podcast of the bye week. There's not a lot going on in Paul Brown Stadium today, but it's Halloween at the time of recording, and Joe is out in a perfect Captain America costume with his kids doing the Halloween thing. You know how he does with his costume, so it's just me again today. We're going to talk for the first five minutes about the only real news topic that is going on in Cincinnati today, and that's a Tyler Dragon report that A.J. Green and the Bengals are not close in contract talks. The two sides remain far apart, and A.J. Green made abundantly clear, as per reporting by Paul Daner, Green believes a franchise tag would be insulting. And you get where he's coming from. He makes a great argument that is, when you're 30 or 31, the franchise tag is essentially robbing you of an opportunity to get your last long-term deal And for many NFL veterans, that's the way they're treated while they're on their way to a decline. It's no secret that most players in the NFL start to get a little bit worse in their 30s, and there's a cliff. No one knows where it is for different players, and A.J. Green is a guy whose athleticism still seems to be there to a large degree, despite having a few more snaps out of the slot last year, and despite the injuries he's piled up, we have no reason to believe that he's started a severe decline yet. And there's no reason to believe that he can't continue to produce at a very high level. Along with John Ross, who's much younger, if he stays with the team coming off of another injured season, and Tyler Boyd, who is extended right now in the slot, that's a good array of wide receiving weapons for a team that also has Joe Mixon at running back and Giovanni Bernard under contract for a few years. It would seem that a lot of the weapons on the offensive side of the ball are set then. That only remains true, though, if the Bengals do the right thing here and find a way to extend Green in a way that is mutually attractive to the player and the team. Green has seen contracts for Julio Jones, Michael Thomas. He knows what he's worth. He knows that these guys are out there making $20 million a year. Maybe there's a small hometown discount. He said that he's not the kind of player who's going to sit out if he gets franchise tagged because he's not the kind of player, not the kind of person who's going to leave $18 million on the table. But if you franchise him, that's the last year of A.J. Green that you're going to have in Cincinnati because he is very clear on this. He's going to take it as an insult. He's told the Bengals through the media, and I'm assuming in private as well, that if they don't believe in his ability to stay healthy and play 16 games, to let him go. 
This is kind of the most threateningly we've heard Green talk about his contract talks, and I think none of this happens if he doesn't get injured in the preseason, because then he's probably just re-signed, extended at that point in time, and probably not having nearly the debacle of a season that we've witnessed. But here we are, the Bengals are 0-8, Green's best friend hypothetically, one of his best friends at least on the team, and Andy Dalton is going to the bench, the quarterback that's been throwing to him since he came into the league. He's got reason to be a little bit more demanding here. He said time and time again he's happy in Cincinnati. Even if they're not winning, he's happy. I believe him when he says he wants to stay in Cincinnati. And at this point, it's just up to the team to get it done. We'll see if that can happen because if they end up franchising Green and then trying to trade him, maybe he's unhappy at that point, or just franchising him for one more year, I fail to see the point of not trading him. If they franchise him for one year and then he becomes a free agent, what's the point of keeping him here for for one year? Maybe Ryan Finley becomes a quarterback of the future and you end up drafting Jerry Judy with your top overall pick if they end up in the top five, which they are expected to do. Maybe Chase Young is off the board. Maybe if Ryan Finley somehow is a quarterback of the future, they instead target one of the many there are several elite-looking wide receivers in this class, C.D. Lamb being another one. And then you have one year of green while that wide receiver gets used to the league, and then you've got another all-star to replace him. That's one route they could go. Is that going to make everybody happy in Cincinnati? Is that the way you really want to treat the star player of your team? We talked about this yesterday on the podcast. Mo Egger and I asked, what's the plan? What is there to trust? from this front office right now. Since 2015, Mike Brown's front office has given us nothing to trust. Andrew Whitworth, Kevin Zeitler, Marvin Jones, Mohamed Sanu, all gone. Russell Bodine, unchallenged for years. They bring in Abwehi, he's a disaster. Jake Fisher can't stay healthy. They can't draft a first-round pick who stays on the field for years. The Bengals need to give their fans something to trust some reason to believe and to continue supporting this team. Or they can go ahead and try to be the first team to build a core around 30-year-olds and win anything. If they manage to pull that off, they'll be breaking ground in a way that I would have never thought possible. They've got good players on the team, but we need to recognize they were last an elite team in 2015 before Andy went down. Trying to recreate that five years later? That's just not how any of this works. Figuring out A.J. Green is a first step toward figuring out this offseason, and at this point, if they don't extend him, nothing is going to make sense. I've got a bunch of your questions to get to. Maybe some of them will be a little bit happier. We really do need something, I think, collectively to just say, okay, something finally went well for the Bengals. I'm not sure what that thing is right now, because even if they win a game, I'm not sure how I'll feel about that. There will be a lot of mixed emotions, I think, especially with Ryan Finley starting. So I need to take some time, I think. Maybe collectively we can take some time and say, what is going to feel good for Bengals fans? Is it an A.J. Green extension? Is there just nothing that can happen this season? Is there a coach that we really just want to see gone? Is there anything that we'll all agree on? Probably not everybody, but maybe most of us. Something to think about. I'll get to your questions here in just a minute. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you take the money. 
So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. MyBookie offers a variety of options depending on your style of betting. You can bet on games after kickoff if by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can take the other side and recoup your cash. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, you can try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. No matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON. Visit mybookie.ag today to play so you win and get paid. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So it's the midseason right now. There's one good thing happening this week I want to talk about before we get to the questions. Some really generous people. Over 250 people from the Buffalo and Cincinnati area have donated $14 to the Andy and J.J. Dalton Foundation. And that's part of a throwback to the time Buffalo fans contributed a bunch of money to Andy Dalton for getting them into the playoffs in 2017. And it's a bunch of Bengals fans giving him money, saying, giving the foundation money, saying, we appreciate what you did for the city, for this team. We appreciate what you've done for the community. We appreciate the good person you've been. And he's doing good things with that money. So I just wanted to take a second to acknowledge that. That's good stuff happening. And it centers on Andy Dalton and the disaster that's been the 2019 NFL season for the Bengals. So let's get into your questions here. I've got the first one from Money 513 who asks, other than quarterback, offensive line, and linebacker, which position group should fans focus on for the 2020 draft? I'm thinking we could use a corner or two. I think the corner is a good place to start. Wouldn't argue with that. The other place that I would really think about long and hard are the defensive position that has the most value, which is going to be along the defensive line. So if you have a chance at a defensive interior guy that you really like, depending on where you're drafting, the value adds up. They need an heir to Geno Atkins. They need somebody who will succeed him at the three-tech. Ryan Glasgow hasn't been able to stay healthy. He's not a three-tech anyway, not really. They've got two good nose tackles in in, uh, Andrew Billings, and Josh Tupo, they've both played really well at the nose, but their nose tackles, those guys are only on the field so often, and they're only really there for run defense. They're not offering anything as a pass rusher. So interior defensive line, if you can find a three-tech, maybe Andrew Brown gets more looks there if they're healthier defensive end. And then the other one is defensive end because Carlos Dunlap is in his 30s. Carl Lawson hasn't been able to stay healthy. Sam Hubbard, while he's having a fine season, is not an elite pass rusher. So if they have a chance at a really good defensive end, a really good pass rusher who's falling into the top of the second round, great. If they're not picking 
number one or number two and two quarterbacks go and they end up with Chase Young, great. You could also, I think you're right, use a corner, Drake Kirkpatrick, also nearing the end of his career, the end of his contract. Darquez Denard only on a one-year deal. BW Webb, just a guy. So if there's a good corner there, that makes sense too. Really, outside of quarterback at the top of the round, and obviously they need offensive line help, I think they really need to take a BPA approach. They don't necessarily need wide receiver help, but they might need a wide receiver at some point. They don't need running back help, but I do think we've said before that taking a running back in the late rounds every year doesn't hurt anything because you can a lot of times find a guy there. Kyle S. has our next question at American Kai. Besides Miami, what winnable games do you think the Bengals have remaining? Assuming the offense looks like it has for the first half of the season. And I think you also have to say the defense probably looks the same too, right? Because the defense has been just as culpable for some of the losses they've had. Given some of that's been the position the offense put them in, but they really just haven't been good together at the same time. It's kind of one's bad, then the other's bad, and they don't win games because they can't put a complete game together. But the winnable games on the schedule are obviously the New England Patriots. I I guess maybe not the New England Patriots. Okay, probably not the Patriots, but Miami for sure looks like one they can win. And New York has been terrible this year. I think New York at home... Week 13, first day of December, that's another one that if you were one for the tank, you got to be worried about that one. And it's hard to say how good Cleveland's going to be. By week 14, week 17, they have been at times really bad this year. I think they're safely better than the Bengals. I think that there's a lot of talent there that should elevate the Browns, but I don't think the Browns have a very good coaching staff. I think it's comparable to the one we have in Cincinnati. And I think that that could be potentially something they win. Especially week 17. You never know what's happening at that point. Looking at the rest of the schedule, I don't think that they will find a way to beat Pittsburgh. I think that defense has figured it out. I think Oakland, while it's not a great team, is good enough to win. Baltimore, again, I don't think they can handle Lamar Jackson. And that defense is getting a little bit better. And the other game is is New England. And they're going to get absolutely destroyed. Good year to play New England, I guess, in a year that it doesn't really matter. So two games that they can win, I think, that we really need to think about are the Jets game, the Miami game. Next question comes from Kyle Scoble at Scobie Snacks. As weak as the timing was of the benching of Dalton, there are still those that defend his level of play as a good quarterback and place 100% of the blame on the offensive line. Can you discuss how the measuring stick for quarterbacks has changed and some fans and owners have not adjusted expectations? A lot of people have said this year that Tom Brady wouldn't be able to succeed behind this offensive line or Aaron Rodgers wouldn't be able to succeed behind this offensive line. There's a couple interesting things about that. First off, Dalton's throwing from a clean pocket has not been good this year. Any of those elite guys, Rodgers, Brady, Wilson, you can even say Deshaun Watson, easily Mahomes, Drew Brees, any of those guys, A, they're going to manage the pocket better. B, they're going to throw better when they have a clean pocket. And C, the other thing I guess I want to talk about here is that Aaron Rodgers has been pressured way more than Andy Dalton this year. Russell Wilson too. And then you'll go and say, okay, they're holding the ball longer. Well, yeah, because they're making something happen, but they've still been better. So yes, they're being pressured a little bit more because they're holding the ball a little bit longer. 
but that's because they can operate in those conditions. And Dalton this year hasn't been able to. We started to see some progression there early last year. This year that disappeared, and and he just looked shook. He looked too shook by the pressure. And the other thing I guess you have to mention here is you might say, well, his quarterback rating's 90, or he's fourth in the league in passing. And yes, I think that Dalton is probably a little bit better than he's played this year. They've had some issues with play calling, but this is a quarterback that hasn't been able to elevate the team. And we saw it this year with A.J. Green out, with, with the offensive line not being an elite offensive line. He's a fine quarterback. And he can work with a really, really good team. We saw it in 2015. He could go to the Bears probably and be a good quarterback, for example. But the iteration of Andy Dalton that we saw in Cincinnati this year, it's not all the offensive line. It's not all the receivers. It's not the defense. Andy Dalton has played worse this year. Next question comes from Midwest Bias. We've got two questions from him today. Do you think that Jim Turner was always meant to be a stopgap until Bill Callahan was available, or do you think Zach Taylor wants to keep him beyond 2019? I certainly hope that he's meant to be a stopgap. I don't think anyone is very pleased with the job or the decisions that Jim Turner has made, but Zach Taylor has spoken very highly of him repeatedly. He did the same thing for Dalton, though, so I think he's just good about saying the right thing to the media. I certainly hope there's a plan outside of Jim Turner and honestly outside of Lou Anaruma for 2019 because both of those guys just... And it's not just the coaching. I know it's the players too, but both of those guys seem a little out of their depth. His other question is, if or when the Bengals get the number one overall pick, would you rather they go ahead and draft Tua or Burrow or trade the first overall to Miami for, say, the three and seven, which leaves them to draft whatever quarterback is available at three and use a seven on a linebacker, which will be the Clemson guy, Isaiah Simmons, or an offensive lineman. Maybe it's uh, the Georgia guy. Maybe it's Alex Leatherwood from Alabama. Tristan Worst from Iowa. Some good options there. Honestly, if they have the first overall pick, I want them to take their quarterback. Trading back to three is risky because you could miss both of your top two quarterbacks in a year where Tua and Burrow have both looked really good. And then it is, well, how comfortable are you with Justin Herbert, who hasn't really taken the leap forward many wanted to see from him, despite all the tools being there? Well, then at that point, are you drafting Chase Young in an offensive lineman and you're rolling with Ryan Finley for a year? And then you're going to win six games? And then you're not going to be able to ever draft a quarterback? You see where we're going with this, right? This is what happens to teams like the Chiefs. This is what happens when you get into a place where you're picking between 10 and 20 every year. This is where the Bengals have been for in essentially the entire time Dalton's been the quarterback for the Bengals a few times picking a little bit later because of, uh, you know, division finishes and, and playoff appearances. I think they need to go quarterback at number one if they're picking number one or if they're picking number two. If there is a trade back one slot that's going to net a bunch of picks, maybe you consider it, but you don't consider it if it means you're going to miss out on the guy that you've pegged as a franchise quarterback. You just never do that. Next question comes from Pete Brook. Real question. Is the crowd at Paul Brown Stadium going to be higher than the last home game or increased from the last home game due to Ryan Finley getting his first start? I don't think so. I think that we're going to see attendance continue to drop throughout this year unless Ryan Finley goes out there and suddenly starts a winning streak. I'm not counting on that. 
Next question comes from Almighty Almac. Start Dolagala, you cowards, is what he goes by on Twitter right now. Let's operate in complete bizarre land. Is there anything that Ryan Finley could do to sell him to you as a potential franchise quarterback? There's nothing statistically that he could do. I don't care what he does in the win-loss column. I don't care what his passing yardage is. I don't care what his touchdowns are. But I do care if he starts to show some arm strength. Because Ryan Finley does do some things really well. And we talked about those in the preseason. He's willing to stand in the pocket and throw right before he gets hit. It seems like he manages the pocket pretty well. Keeps his eyes downfield. But his arm strength is truly poor. You won't see him make throws to the far sideline on the opposite hash very often. And we're talking narrow NFL hashes. He can throw deep, but he has to throw deep with anticipation. He doesn't have the arm to really put anything on the ball. And he can get by and has gotten by with excellent anticipation and pretty good accuracy. But I need to see that the arm strength is improving for me to believe that he can be consistently a successful quarterback in the NFL because otherwise you're just limited too much as an offense, and you're going to be the same thing that you have with Dalton, where when the offense stays on schedule, or if you have a great team around you, then you can get back on schedule when you get off track. But as soon as you're in 2nd and 20, or 2nd and 10, 3rd and 8, you're relying on drop back passing, the defense knows what's coming, there's no deception, or much less deception on your side of the ball, and you need a little bit of arm talent to make it work. I think that's a tall order for Ryan Finley, but I hope he does it. If the Bengals don't need to draft a quarterback, here's the thing. They can pick Chase Young, who looks like the best prospect, the best pass rusher in years. Truly great prospect in Chase Young. But Ryan Finley has a long way to go to prove that he's the guy that is the reason that I want to pick Chase Young and live with Ryan Finley for four years. Because if if they pick Young and they're picking at the top of every round... I, I just I don't think that they're going to be in position to pick in the top three again next year. And if they are, well, then you have another problem. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So some good questions so far. Everyone is looking to the future, way into the future. We still have eight games to get through, unfortunately, I guess. As Ryan Coyle once said to me, can we just, you know, sim the rest of the season at this point? Where's my Madden controls? Because I I don't want to watch the rest of this season. But we're going to, and we're going to look for improvement from players, and we're going to look for any pieces that can be part of this next core. There are still some exciting players on this team. We have to remember that. We're going to get to watch AJ Green next week. That'll be fun. I really hope it'll be fun because he gets to play against Baltimore too. And I love when AJ Green torments Baltimore. But our next question comes from Canadian Bengals fan. What's your ideal allocation of cap space moving into next season, assuming the Bengals draft a quarterback in the first round? I think you need to use the remaining cap money. And it might suck because it might be an overpay, but they need to address right tackle. I don't think you can go into another season with Bobby Hart as your right tackle. 
and they need to find another guard. Maybe that's something they find in the draft. Maybe they find somebody between now and the end of the year. But they need to give themselves flexibility in the draft, and that means plugging up holes with free agent money. So obviously offensive tackle, right tackle, left guard would be good to address. Probably right guard too. Honestly, I think they still need multiple players, especially if Billy Price doesn't figure it out at some point this year. And then they really need to find a linebacker with athleticism, somebody to build the unit around. There's some good free agent linebackers out there this year that could hit the market. Corey Littleton from LA's good cover linebacker. Blake Martinez is pretty much the only linebacker that plays for Green Bay. He's pretty good. A number of names out there at the linebacker position. And then if they can find a pass rusher or a three tech, somebody to go on the defensive line, we'll never argue against that either. But definitely plugging holes first. So linebacker, offensive line, Use draft assets to fill in the rest of the rest of the roster with the best players available. Next question comes from Low at FC Cincy Lion, and he asks, "What's your favorite Halloween candy?" I'm a Reese's guy. I'm a peanut butter and chocolate guy, and Reese's has so many good chocolates. Obviously, the peanut butter cup is great. I'm not actually a fan of the Reese's pieces so much, but. I do like the Fast Break Bar, which I don't see in Canada. I don't know if they still make it, but it was a good one. The Reese's Sticks, like those too. Really just a Reese's Candy kind of guy. And the, uh, the, the Crunchers with the little Reese's Rice. They, they sell it in bags. I don't know if you have that in the States either, but it's something they sell here, and I enjoy that one too. Next question comes from Adam Foskey. What's your biggest concern and what are you looking for the most in the second half of this lost season? The biggest concern is honestly that nobody steps up on the offensive line because like I was just talking about, if Billy Price doesn't figure it out, then that's three offensive line positions that you need to figure out for 2020. Because you can't go into next season with Bobby Hart at tackle, John Miller's up and down performances if he's even healthy at right guard. And if Billy Price can't figure it out at left guard, you need to move on. And so far, he hasn't really shown signs, and I desperately want him to. But we haven't seen it yet. Outside of that, maybe Mike Jordan gets a little bit better, but he hasn't shown it yet. So there's a lot of question marks on the offensive line, and I would like to see some improvement from at least one or two guys. And I would also really like to see if Jonah Williams can get healthy, because it would be great to see him play in 2019 to feel like we know what we have at left tackle of the future. I'm concerned that just nothing is going to change, that Ryan Finley isn't going to be any good, that the offensive line is going to continue to be terrible and not give Ryan Finley a chance, even with the return of A.J. Green and if John Ross can get back on the field. I'm concerned about the injuries and the health of these guys. This team has been, just ever since a remarkable run of health in 2015, just feels like the most injured team in the NFL in terms of the quality of players they're losing. So, We're looking for individual guys, like I said, under 30, ideally, who can be part of the next core. Say that's in two years minimum, most likely. Maybe they turn it around in one year. That can happen in the NFL. But I I just don't trust it right now, right? So I'm looking for something to trust. We talked about that in yesterday's show. I talked about it earlier today. And I'm looking for some of these young guys to show something to make me believe they can be part of the next core, particularly Jesse Bates, who's taken a big step back in the new scheme this year. Have a few questions about Andy Dalton's future, where he might sign in the offseason from Sean Thorfinson. 
And Samuel Keithley asks, do you expect Dalton to have a lot of takers in the trade market in the offseason? I don't know that I do, but I hope that they could get a mid-round pick for Dalton. I just don't know what team is going to give it to him, right? It would have to be a team that ends up winning some games or thinks they have a really good roster, isn't picking in the top, say, 10, and needs a quarterback. So maybe the Bears. That's kind of the start and end of it. Maybe a team wants a backup quarterback and is willing to trade for Dalton to do that job if the Bengals eat some money because he's due $16 million next year. So that's going to make him a bit hard to trade to anybody who doesn't want him to start. If Jacksonville likes Gardner Minshew, they're kind of off the table. Maybe a team like Tampa would use him, but Dalton and Bruce Arians doesn't seem like the right kind of fit. Tennessee has Ryan Tannehill. That's pretty much Andy Dalton. They still need a quarterback. Hard for me to really place who the takers will be for Dalton. Denver is another candidate you could talk about, but they've been pretty bad too, and they drafted Drew Locke last year. Maybe Dalton is a bridge quarterback for Locke. Maybe he could have been that this year if it wasn't Joe Flacco. Next question comes from BengalsTalk.com. What is the best and worst case scenario in your mind regarding the A.J. Green contract negotiations and future? Well, best case is obviously that, you know, they sign him to a four or five year deal and he's great until he retires, has Larry Fitzgerald like end of career, continues to be productive. Maybe the best case is actually that they sign him for three years, say 18 million a year, which puts him a little bit below some of the richest paid receivers in the year, gets you through his age 34 season. But he's probably going to want four years, at least, I would guess, just to get him all the way to retirement for sure. Worst case is he walks. Other worst case is they re-sign him and he can't stay healthy. I don't want to really think about either of those right now. And next question is, why do we deserve A.J. Green? Asher Goth asks. And we as fans deserve nice things. And the reason I picked this question to answer is because there's this idea that Bengals fans are, you know, low-class fans. I've heard a couple people say it on Twitter lately. And as fans, there's nothing wrong with being a Bengals fan, guys. It's an organization. It's Mike Brown. That's where all the criticism is right now. It's the Brown family, the way this organization runs, the, the two scouts, the penny pinching, the Hamilton County business, the way they handled Andy Dalton, A.J. Green, Andrew Whitworth, Kevin Zeitler, Mohamed Sanu, Marvin Jones, and then just did a poor job drafting since 2015, kind of rusted on their laurels, continue to think that somehow, despite having the same players on the team that keep aging, by the way, they'll be able to recreate 2015 with a patchwork offensive line that features Bobby Hart at right tackle. I mean, I think we deserve a lot. I think especially for loyalty, if you think that's worth anything, we deserve to be rewarded for that loyalty. Every NFL fan base deserves a team that is competent. And A.J. Green is a great dude, great locker room presence, great player. We deserve some nice things here. We can't have him. It seems we can't like, seems like we can't have him, but we deserve him. A few more questions to get through here. If they draft Tua, first overall, another one from Canadian Bengals fan, what right tackle prospect or free agent would you like best to protect his blind side? It's going to be tricky to find the right tackle prospect at this point in the year for the right side. If you're looking second round, maybe top of the third round, Jedrick Ellis is a guy at Alabama who, if he comes into the draft, he's a junior, could be a fit there if they go quarterback in the first round. 
Before this year, I would have said Alex Leatherwood from Alabama, who moved this year from the interior to left tackle, would have been a great idea. But he's playing too well, and he's probably played himself into the first round. Andrew Thomas, the Georgia tackle, Tristan Wirfs, they'll be long gone. And then there's a bucket of guys that are kind of maybes. Walker Little from Stanford has drawn some acclaim this year in the mid-rounds probably. Prince Tega Wadogu from Auburn, another guy with some potential, Lucas Nyang. These are all guys that you have to consider. Alaric Jackson, the other Iowa tackle, has great size, could potentially be a right tackle in the NFL. And then PFF has really highlighted lately a small school guy, and that's Houston's Josh Jones, who is apparently their highest-graded player at tackle in the group of five conferences ever. Sounds like he's working his way toward first-round consideration, but that's another guy you could look at in the second or third round as a potential riser. He's not really on many radars yet. I'm looking at the Draft Network's list of tackles right now. He's not even on the list there. So I imagine he's not on many lists yet, but he's another name to keep in mind. Last question comes from GetUp6 on Twitter. Josh Gordon got released today. Do you think the Bengals will put in a waiver claim? The Bengals have the second waiver priority, apparently, just behind Miami, who by virtue of strength of schedule, I guess, is ahead of them. I still don't really think the Bengals are going to claim Josh Gordon, but it would be a very Mike Brown kind of move. Mike Brown brought in Adam Jones, Vontez Burfecht, gave those guys chances. He loves giving second, third, fourth chances to players that have talent. Josh Gordon could be another one of those. There's your reasoning for why they would, but I still don't think they will. That's going to do it for this edition of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Joe and I will be back on Sunday. Recap a weekend of NFL action. Talk about the future some more. There's no football game, so we'll have to find other things to talk about. But I hope you can enjoy a stress-free Red Zone watching weekend if you are going to watch any NFL action this weekend. And until next time, Bengals fans, have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 